This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. That's right, Ev. Ride the wave. There you go. I there hate you the go. Phillies too, but I love this song. <laughs> How can you hate them? They are so fun. I have Mets so much fan. FOMO watching this team. I'm so jealous of Pat right now. This is the most fun I've had watching baseball in a long time, watching the Phillies play. They're awesome. They you're, have personality. You're, you're clearly they have not swag. from New York. You're clearly not oh, from I'm New not. York. I'm a I don't want girl. anything good for Philly sports fans. Pat Costello especially. That song, the way they dance to it is just so great, though. Fletcher Cox, a part of it. And, oh, my God, people running on the field. Mm. That part's not as good. <laughs> They're getting arrested during it. It's unsportsmanlike. Oh, that's how, that's how Philly fans get but down, that's half though. the fun. I'm about, to say, so I'm about to say, where's the surprise with that? <laughs> it's so fun. I want to be a part of it. Pat, I'm jealous. I have FOMO. <laughs> you want to run on the fields? Let's get Smalls to the World Series to I'll, run I'll, on the fields. Exactly. Go celebrate with the Philly I'll sports fans when they win a championship. like on the back so I get us on the cam. As you get tackled to the ground <laughs> right? and break a leg I and get an tased. arm and everything. Oh my gosh. That's not good. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPNU, listen to us on all the great ESPN stations across the country, send us the gear. We want to display it and promote you guys. Sirius XM80 and the ESPN app. Well, we mentioned the Phillies. They win last night 10 nothing over the Diamondbacks. They're up 2 nothing in this series. Again, early home runs by them last night, which has been a thing in this series in two games. Uh, Trey Turner in the first, uh, Kyle Schwarber in the third. Aaron Nola goes six innings, does not allow a run, does not have a walk, seven strikeouts in this game. But one of the stories is Merrill Kelly, the pitcher for the Diamondbacks, who before the game was doing the compare and the contrast for some asinine reason that uh, looped the Philly fans in a questionable way into the conversation. Here's Kelly pregame. Go back to the Korean series that you were talking about. Obviously, their fans are, they cheer a little bit differently than we do. Um, each offensive player that comes up to the plate, they have their own fight song. Um, so when it was the, the championship series, um, it was about 30,000 people in Seoul. About 15,000 of it at a time would be singing in unison um, for whatever hitter was up. And they don't stop until the next hitter comes up. Um, and then going into the WBC game, um, yeah, I think that I haven't obviously heard this place on the field. Um, but I'd be very surprised if it, if it trumped that Venezuela game um, down in Miami uh, when Trey hit that grand slam uh, I mean I don't think I've ever experienced uh, at least baseball wise I don't think I've ever experienced a atmosphere like that um, so I hope that you know this isn't louder than that so all Philly fans are going to hear and did hear from that is I'd be very surprised if it trumped that atmosphere that's all they're going to hear correct that's well, the one well, thing they're going to take away from that and they did last night and they were rocking last night and he got rock last night and this is a fan base look at Philadelphia uh, Jerry has it up our TV producer on the ESPNU side they had over 120,000 fans in attendance at sporting events last night and while he not he being Merrill Kelly is not fully saying that Philly fans are bad or anything like that he was trying to compliment the WBC but they're just going to hear that part of it no he was trying to be petty like, no, there's no, let's not make any bones about it. Like, I heard his post-game comments last night, and he's saying it was taken out of context. No, it wasn't, dog. You were trying to be petty. When you talked about the players coming up to bat and all of them have their own individual fight songs, that's petty. When you talk about, oh, I don't know if this atmosphere is going to rise to the level of the WBC, that's petty. You were trying to be petty. And you got smacked in the mouth by their bats and how they knocked all of your pitches over the fence last night. That's what happened. You got to own it. When you go out there, you talk trash, and then you can't back it up. And the fans and the team that you're playing against let you know that. That's on you, dog. Don't try to walk it back and say it was misconstrued or it was out of context because it wasn't. You were trying to be small, and you went low. It just so happens that they took the high road. And when I say high, that means the baseballs that they were 
hitting over the fence in Citizens Bank Ballpark last night. Like, to me, you were the one that was that – the onus was on you to go out there and play well and to back up all of the trash talk, and you didn't do it. And now everybody's letting you know it, and you're trying to hide from the criticism, and that's why you tried to walk it back when you talked to reporters after an awful performance last night. I ain't going to let you do that. I'm not going <laughs> to sit in this chair and let you do that, Merrill Kelly. That was on you. I couldn't even get it out because I'm so frustrated when athletes do this. You were trying to be petty. You were trying to talk trash, and it didn't work out for you. Own it, bro. I didn't interpret it that way. I interpreted it as him comparing what we're seeing at the bank to other explosive environments in baseball. We saw during the pandemic what the KBO has as far as the chanting. It's electric. The WBC, anybody that watched the WBC can talk about how intimidating those crowds were. You know, when he mentions the Venezuela game and the Vuvuzelas, it's loud. It's, it is a raucous environment. So to me, for him to even put what's happening in Philly right now in those conversations is a compliment. And he was saying he'd, he would be surprised if it would match those levels. However, it really doesn't matter what his intent was, whether it was be to petty to be petty or not in that situation because Phillies fans are not going to take kindly to that whatever you say other than this is the most intimidating environment I've ever been in and it's not 100% a compliment to them they're going to use it as bulletin board material no question and tonight of course uh, game number three Astros and Rangers 8.03 p.m. Eastern time of course that's the first pitch ESPN radio will have the coverage and Max Scherzer pitching tonight for the Rangers was banged up first postseason start this has Astros win written all over it. Rangers haven't won a game this year. The Scherzer postseason performance conversation becomes a thing. Should they have brought him back, etc.? So he'll pitch for the Astro for the Rangers against the Astros this evening. Uh, now, speaking of Philadelphia, there's another angle to Philadelphia sports right now, in addition to the Phillies, and that's the Eagles. They lose this weekend against the Jets. Micah Parsons of the Cowboys does a weekly podcast, The Edge with Micah Parsons, as part of Bleacher Report's NFL coverage. And Parsons, kind of out of nowhere, just started to go at the Eagles after a Cowboys win. I just don't condone the bashing of Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys and have the same energy for the Eagles. We want the same energy for everybody because there's a whole bunch of bashing when it's Dak Prescott, but not the same when it's the Eagles. I got time today. A lot of people said the Browns defense was overhyped. I said the Browns are the real deal. Acho said this, which pissed me off. I'm not worried about the 49ers. They were missing Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. The Browns were missing Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb. They were missing them key factors before the game even started. So why is it that we are just scrubs and we're nobodies that don't deserve to be on the field and we're just all talk? But there's a hundred excuses for these other these other teams. If y'all just want to hate Cowboys Nation, just say y'all hate Cowboys Nation. I'm tired of people trashing my quarterback. I'm tired of people trashing my team. And that's why I had nothing to say to the media this week. All right, no issue with Michael Parsons offending his team. but No nothing to say to the media as he's engaging in media. As a media, as a media <laughs> got, member got it, in this specific case. <laughs> so it. here's the thing. Our job on, in many ways is to talk about the things that most people are talking about, right? The Dallas Cowboys, and most people have an opinion about. The NFL is the king. We know that. The Dallas Cowboys are the top of the list when it comes to do you have random person, random city across America, you walk down the street, you say, do you have an opinion on the Cowboys? They'll say... I love them or I hate them. If you say, sorry, do you have, a, do you have an opinion on the Chargers? They may say, who? Right? The Cowboys are the most polarizing team in the NFL. And the most polarizing position in the NFL 
is the quarterback position. That's the one we talk about the most. Is this guy great? Is he elite? Is he not elite? Can you win a Super Bowl with him? We don't break down the left guard. I'm not suggesting the left guard's not important. It's just not mass appeal. Micah Parsons, let's just be real on this. You play for the most relevant team in the most relevant sport, and you're bringing up the critique of the most relevant position on the most relevant team in the most relevant sport. In the most relevant sport, clearly, we're all going to analyze and overanalyze Dak Prescott. That's what the reality is. The Eagles are popular. The Eagles are polarizing. Not to the level of the Cowboys. And as CC has pointed out, Jalen Hurts has been to a Super Bowl already. Mm -hmm. Dak feels like he's on the verge of maybe, possibly, somehow, maybe, if things break the right way, of getting to an NFC Championship game. Not a Super Bowl. Also, they put themselves in the arena more than any other organization in the NFL. If he's got an issue with it, as I said earlier in the show, he needs to walk into Jerry Jones' office and knock on the door and say, hey, maybe you shouldn't be talking so much and setting all these expectations and giving all of this fodder for the media mm-hmm. to dissect about us and our quarterback. I love that he's riding hard for Dak and that and he does have a point, by the way. We do criticize the Dallas Cowboys and hold them to a standard that we do not with other teams in the NFL. But part of that is because of the brand that Jerry Jones has created. When you build a brand and say you're America's team and it's based on winning championships and you have failed to do so in a long time, we are going to hold you to the standard that you created. It's the same thing with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is in a jail of his own making. The Cowboys are the same thing. It's like the Kardashians. They're in a reality show. Are they going to be mad when we all of a sudden dissect what we see on the show? It's the same thing, Micah Parsons. You are in kind of a reality show situation. Jerry Jones is telling everyone XYZ about Dak. We're going to react to it. You're in the arena. This is what we do. The Kardashians is a great comparison because a lot of people always complain, why are we still talking about the Kardashians? Well, because millions upon millions want to hear about them. Those people are complaining, oh, I don't want to hear about Taylor Swift at the NFL games anymore. All the games she's going to have more social, digital, advertising dollars coming into them than any other game. She's she's a huge draw, rightfully so. And that's the thing with the Cowboys. That we're going to continue to talk about them and critique them and over-critique them because more people want to hear the critique of the Cowboys than any other team in this sport. Also, by the way, Micah Parsons is a direct beneficiary of that. He has a podcast, and people care about it, not only because he's excellent at his position, but because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys. No doubt. It is a universal brand. Do you think if Micah Parsons played on the Jacksonville Jaguars, we'd be talking about his podcast? Hell no. Do you think he played on the L.A. Chargers, we'd be talking about his podcast? No. So with Well, Bosa and Mack are perfect examples. Where are their pods on the Chargers? I mean, they have great defensive players on that team. Sure. Even the Niners have great defensive players. They don't have pods for them. But with the expectation in the pressure also comes an avenue for you to be relevant in ways that other NFL teams and players are not. I think what Micah Parsons did is smart business. I think it's a smart thing to bring up. I don't think we overly critique the Cowboys because they are the most relevant thing out there in this sport, like you said about the Kardashians. Same kind of thing. And you brought up Belichick, right? You said Belichick, I believe you were a prisoner of his own making. He's in a a jail of his own own Mm -hmm. making. The only difference I would say is they don't say anything. And when Belichick walks away and Kraft is running a team that may or may not be good, they're not still relevant. The Cowboys, if they go 1-16, 2-15 through any record they have, they're still insanely relevant. And that's the difference here. Micah Parsons is an amazing player football player. Micah Parsons has proven to be seemingly a really good guy from what we gather. Micah Parsons is really also fortunate 
to have been drafted on the team he's on because his post-NFL career will be extremely successful because he's noticed early on in a way that maybe he wouldn't have been otherwise. He still could find his way there. He's a talented guy off of the field, but he is a beneficiary of wearing the star. Draymond Green is phenomenal on the air. Draymond Green, in my opinion, is a Hall of Fame basketball player. He's also, and he'd be the first one to tell you this, he's also fortunate to be a major player on a major team for as long as he has been. And you look around, whether it's ESPN, TNT, or anything like that, any of the basketball broadcasts, people look for people connected to the Warriors or LeBron. NFL, for a long period of time, how many ESPN teammates do we have that are connected to Brady or Manning or the Cowboys? It's relevancy. Micah Parsons is relevant. The Eagles, after a loss, not as relevant as the Cowboys. Simple as that. Simple as that. All right, coming up. How many NFL teams would Caleb Williams start for right now? We'll get to that next. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. I got my Mr. Roger Sheik on today. I'm more than happy with this with the uh, cardigan. Yeah. But I'm more than happy. You're more than happy. Smalls is more than happy. To rock all the station gear across the country. So let's yeah, go. there we go. We got to get some more swag, man. We know how fortunate we are to be sitting in the seats that we're in. We're so appreciative of that, and we're so appreciative to be on your radio stations across the country, and we'd like to display that. So send it to us. Uh, Smalls, give out your home address. No, I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> we can send it to us to the ESPN studios here, and um, we'd love to display it. All right. The Athletic put out a piece talking about Caleb Williams, a quarterback for USC, mm-hmm. and how many teams he could start on right now. Now, I came up with my list personally, and I have a couple of questions about how we want to do this. All right. So, my list, I'm not kidding, has 18 teams. Okay. Now, so 18 teams that would take the promise of Caleb Williams, whatever he's going to be in the NFL, versus what they're doing right now. So, that's the question I have in terms of how we want to do this. And I wanted to talk it out on the air. Are yeah. we just saying flat out, do we think he's better than the quarterback they have, or would he present a better situation? than they currently have. Well, it's not just about the situation. It's about the upside of what he can be, right? They're saying he's the best draft prospect in a generation. They're saying he's better than whatever everybody thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be. And we was talking about Trevor Lawrence since his freshman year when he won a national championship. So just thinking about all of the great prospects at the quarterback position that we've seen over the last decade and a half, they're saying he's better than all of them. I'm curious – 
how many teams would forego whatever they're doing right now at the quarterback spot for Caleb Williams? Yeah, this is rarefied error, right? We talk about certain quarterbacks as a different tier, a Peyton Manning, an Andrew Luck, a Trevor yeah. Lawrence, and now Caleb Williams has entered that conversation. So I, I don't know how we want to frame this because even some teams that are – not fully set at the quarterback position, but in a more comfortable position, would probably take Caleb Williams over the yeah, current and, situation. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, right? We, can, we can't say definitively, like, Caleb Williams is a better quarterback than X right now. Right. We just don't know because he's playing against kids that, that – he's playing against kids versus playing against grown men. There is a clear difference, so I don't want to be disrespectful – to any of right. the other NFL players out there. I'm not going to do that and say, oh, this college play- this college kid is better than an NFL player. But there are teams right now, a lot of teams across the National Football League, that would rather roll with Caleb Williams than a solid NFL quarterback that's already in place. All right, you may not want to be disrespectful. I will. He's definitely better <laughs> than some of the guys that are in the league right now, and I don't need to see – him play against pros to do that. Some of them have proven they cannot play in the NFL, and he, I, I'll take the unproven over over that. So here's here's my list. Okay? okay, teams that he would start on if he was a free agent theoretically, and they could sign him right now for the rest of the season: New England, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Giants, Washington, Chicago, Green Bay, Minnesota, New Orleans, Atlanta, Tampa, Carolina. Seattle situationally, I'll bring that up in a second, Arizona, Cleveland situationally, and maybe the Jets situationally. And when I say situationally, meaning do they think that their guy is going to outperform the contract versus Caleb Williams outperforming the contract? Most of those, I would think the head coach would say, you, Mr. Williams, you're better than who I have right now. I got to 18 teams in the NFL. That's a lot. Uh, I'll say this. I mean, I don't, and I don't think this is making news. I think you're better off going the other way because it's less teams that you got to talk about. How many teams wouldn't be in on Caleb Williams right. if he was available? That's okay. what Bills, I did, division uh, by Dolphins. division. Bills and Dolphins. No, not the Dolphins. No. What? I'm not putting the Dolphins in that conversation. I would probably – the Buffalo Bills, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the L.A. Chargers – that's the list. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's the list. You're <laughs> telling me the Miami Dolphins, in your mind, would rather have Caleb Williams than Tua, but the Chargers you're would worried, not rather have you're him? You're worried about just, the health. I, I, what, are you, what are you talking about? You're worried about the health you, with Tua. I'm saying uh, you said the Chargers would take Herbert over Caleb Williams, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my point is, I think Tua is better than Herbert right now. No, I don't think he's a better player than Herbert. I think he's having a better season. I think he's having a better season, and I think a lot of that has to do with the scheme and the players around him. I don't think there's a general manager in the NFL that would say, I want Tua over Justin Herbert. Hell, we don't even know if Tua can make it through a full NFL season. He literally may win MVP this year, and I understand where you're coming from. But we're still holding our breath on (laughs) that. I get it. When did I I miss the memo that we're not worried about Tua anymore? When when did I miss that? I, I didn't see that one. But Caleb Williams has a chance to be great. You're telling me right now the Dolphins could say, we're going to pause this season. Tua's going to be on some other team. We're going to bring Caleb Williams in. We're going to get him raring to go. We have an intermission in the season. It's like a play or something. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have Caleb Williams the rest of the way. Sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You wow. don't think Mike I'm McDaniel say, could do wonders much, with Caleb Williams? I think Mike McDaniel could do wonders with me. But I think that's he's my whole awesome. point. And if you have less concerns about him from a health perspective and you know the skill set that's in place, you don't think that the Dolphins would make that trade? Well, I think the projection now on Caleb Williams is he better be a Hall of Famer based on this conversation. 
I mean, honestly, he better be a Hall of Famer because we're talking about a guy that, yes, I still hold my breath the same way everybody else does with Tua. But Tua right now, I believe, is the odds-on favorite to win the MVP in the National Football League, and we're saying we would take the USC quarterback over him. Think about that. We're saying we would take the USC quarterback over a guy that is the odds-on favorite to win the, the most valuable player in the National Football League. That's pretty strong, I think. And Buffalo, by the way, you know, Josh Allen's been really good. He's also been really bad. I mean, if we're going to say Caleb Williams could be this good, is it unfair to open up that can of worms then? Is Buff- at what point does Buffalo say we got the best years from Josh Allen and it's just not going to get us I over mean, the I mean, it's still a relative unknown. I think Josh Allen has proven that he's a top five to seven quarterback in the league, and that's what we're talking about. If you're in that top five to seven, if you're, you're tier one or borderline, then no team is going to go with a relative unknown as good as you might feel about what Caleb Williams' skill set is. All I'm simply saying is this. It's a short list of teams that wouldn't roll with the promise of what Caleb Williams can be over what they're doing right now. I mean, we see it all the time. You're talking about, uh, you know, you know, at least eight to ten teams every single year looking to upgrade the quarterback position. So it's not a surprise to think that there could be that many teams that will be in on Kayla Williams. Again, like I said, there are scouts that believe this is the best quarterback prospect in a decade and a half. Mm-hmm. So I, I I could see that world existing where there's teams, say, for instance, the Detroit Lions. Everybody's saying that Jared Goff is playing at an MVP level. He's quarterbacked the team to the Super Bowl. The Lions may be the best team in the NFC. We know they're going to be in the playoffs. I don't know that they wouldn't make the decision to go with Caleb Williams if they had an opportunity to draft him over Jared Goff. Exactly. Because of the talent and the upside. If you got a chance to get a Mahomes-esque type of talent, especially when the league is more oriented around the quarterback and being more a passing league, then why wouldn't you roll with him? There are just some things that Caleb Williams has physically shown that he can do that we haven't seen from Jared Goff. Now, I don't know how that translates to being an NFL quarterback, but that's the list of teams that wouldn't draft Caleb Williams. That, that's the list of teams San that Fran? wouldn't. San Francisco, I don't, they would take Caleb Williams. Yeah, yeah they would take Caleb Williams. We love I'm not Brock, saying Brock but... Purdy's not a good player. They would take Caleb Williams. You, do you think that Caleb Williams has more upside than Brock Purdy? For that team, I'm not sure. For that team, I'm not sure. Now, again, if I'm taking— if That I means to say that you don't think Caleb Williams can do what Brock Purdy is doing. No, that means that it's too hard for me to make that leap based on how much I look at the salary and how low it is for Brock Purdy, right? That they're, The situation that they're in is so beneficial to winning football in terms of a quarterback outperforming a contract to have a guy that is playing at Brock Purdy's level at 0.4% of your salary cap. It's hard for me to like get out of that mindset. If you're telling me you're starting a, an expansion franchise— Who's better? My assumption is that Caleb Williams will be better. Here's the follow-up on this, though. So what we're looking at is by 2025, right? So not next season, but the season after. So Caleb Williams' second season. He should be a top-five quarterback in the NFL. I think there's a potential for it. I mean, we said the same thing about Joe Burrow. Like, think about it. Joe Burrow came in his first year. He gets... He gets, his, he gets cut in half by Chase Young. He misses the second half of his rookie year. The next year, they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so he got there. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm just saying we could we could see that from Caleb Williams. Now, in, in all likelihood, it probably won't happen but, be because team, that's yeah. just not not even just the bad team part of it. But most of the time, like these guys don't don't pan out the way that everybody expects because they're going to they're going to tough situations. They don't have the supporting cast around them, and beyond that. 
It's a big jump to go from college football to the NFL. The jump from college to pro is bigger than the jump from high school to college. You just don't know. They have the skill sets that we think are transferable, but you never know whether or not they're going to be successful until you see them playing against grown men on Sundays. So that's why I stopped short of saying that every team would be in on Caleb Williams, not named the Kansas City Chiefs, because that would be disrespectful to the guys that wear NFL jerseys. I'm not going to do that on this show because I know how hard it is in this league to have success. But there are teams out there that would convince themselves that the promise of what Caleb Williams is bringing to the table represents a better opportunity and alternative to what they're currently doing. He's an intoxicating player. No doubt. And if they were in that room and had to make that choice, I think it would be really hard for a lot of GMs to walk away from the idea of Caleb Williams. Because people see Mahomes, right? They see, like, could this guy be a little bit like that guy? And that guy is a once-in-a-lifetime player. Correct. And if you feel like I have a little bit of that guy, that's more than I have currently. All right, uh, we're going to continue the conversation about quarterbacks. Which NFC quarterback would you take right now, plus more on Caleb Williams? For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Lots of conversation about the 5-1 Detroit Lions. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. ESPNU presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Greeny coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern here on ESPN Radio. And yesterday... Mike Greenberg had this to say about the NFC's best quarterback in his mind. Jared Goff is an elite NFL quarterback. He is playing elite football. He's the best quarterback in the NFC right now. The best. Inclusive of whoever you want. Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts. Jared Goff has played the best. The Lions are the best team in the NFC. If not for an overtime loss to Seattle, they'd be unbeaten. The best quarterback, best team in the NFC, Detroit Lions. The fact that that is being said reasonably, obviously, by Greeny, that may be the first time in our lifetime that has ever (laughs) been said about the Detroit Lions, that that franchise has the best team in the NFC and the best quarterback. I mean, I don't think we've ever said – I'm 43. I don't think I've ever said that. No, even the, had that the, in the, the only time we've talked about the Detroit Lions having the best of something was Barry Sanders and Megatron. Yeah, I was just so, going to say, to my recollection, that, that, yeah. that's it. Like that, like that's where the list begins and ends when it comes to the best of something with Detroit football. Now, Jared Goff is putting together a really good season, and he might be playing the best of any of the NFC quarterbacks. But there's no world in which I'm taking Jared Goff over Jalen Hurts in a single game situation or over the course of the entirety of a season. I'm just not doing it, guys. I mean, Jalen Hurts hasn't played his best football. We know that he's thrown more interceptions through the first six games than he threw all of last year. 
but he's also the quarterback of the second-ranked offense behind the Miami Dolphins. They're a top-five scoring offense. They have their top ten in both passing and rushing. Only Miami and Detroit's offense can say that they have those things. I, I just look at Jalen Hurts as the focal point of the Philadelphia Eagles offense when it comes to both areas, running the football and throwing the football. He's adjusting to a new scheme. Mm-hmm. Brian Johnson, they're not necessarily on the same page, and so that's why it feels like a bumpy ride of sorts. Uh, but I still think that in a big spot, he's the guy that you want to have more so than anybody else. And the MVP odds reflect that the odds makers think that over the entirety of the regular season, when water finds its level, yep. that Jalen Hurts is going to be superior to pretty much every other quarterback not named Brock Purdy in the NFC. I know that we are the founding members of the Brock Purdy fan club. We even have a song for him. But Purdy! I'm Purdy. I'm with you, Cece, though. When, when we were doing our notes for this, I am not forgetting what Jalen Hurts is, and I'm yeah. not forgetting what he did last season. We have such a short attention span in sports because the churn is so great every single day. Yeah. Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl last year, I'm not going to forget that. No. I'm not going to forget what I saw from him on the biggest stage. You're right. He has a new coordinator that he's adjusting to. I know the touchdown-to-interception ratio isn't what you would want from Jalen Hurts right now. But just like with Joe Burrow, even with the calf, I was like, I am not going to count out the Cincinnati Bengals because if he even gets 12% better, I like their chances because of this guy. That's how much I – that's how strongly I feel about Jalen Hurts and the type of quarterback he is. I know he's going to find his way, and I'm always going to take Jalen Hurts. Okay, two things can be true. We always say that. Here's another one. Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFC. But I want to be really clear about this, and I've been hyping up Brock Purdy. As you guys know, we all have been hyping up Brock Purdy all year. The MVP, in my mind, in the NFL is Jared Goff's Toulouse. Look at the schedule the rest of the way. And we've seen this historically in the NFC North. Aaron Rodgers did this for years. The schedule the rest of the way for the Detroit Lions includes – Two games against the Bears, two games against the Vikings, a game against the Broncos, at the Saints, home against the Packers, at the Chargers, home against the Raiders. They have two games that you would look at the entirety of the rest of the season and on paper say, well, that's going to be difficult. At the Ravens this week, at the Cowboys on December 30th. Every other game this season, they are probably going to be favored in. And if Jared Goff continues this pace, it is his Award to lose. Tua has losable games. We've seen how good the Bills are. And the Jets, at times, and the Jets are playing much better. Tua has losable games. Jared Goff does not have many losable games. It is his MVP to lose this year in the NFL. So what you outlined in the schedule, does that mean that Detroit has to have the best record in the conference? Do they have to have the number one seed in order for Goff to get the MVP? Great question. Because it feels like that's what it's going toward. That's Mm -hmm. what you're framing it as. Top two. How about that? Top two. If San Francisco has a better record or Philadelphia has a better record, I still think he can win the MVP. But based on the schedule, if you just look at the schedule, they actually have a shot at the best record in the NFC. I would take San Francisco over Detroit in a big game, in an NFC title game or playoff game. i take Philadelphia over them. And part of that is... Been there, done that. They have to kind of go through the wear and tear, get in the playoffs this year, experience what it's like, come back next year. I know Goff has been to a Super Bowl. I get that. Sure. But they may have the number one seed in the NFC. That doesn't necessarily mean they're the best team in the NFC. They may have the best way of getting that number one seed. But look at how many winnable games they have. And if he continues an 11 touchdown and three interception pace, 
It is his award to lose. Well, here's the thing. If they don't end up with the best record in the conference and you're talking about how many winnable games they have, that means that you're less, you're less and less inclined to have those moments where Jared Goff can shine, where he has to be the difference in his team winning or losing a ball game. And that's the thing that I come down to. Like, if he doesn't play this good this weekend in Baltimore, if he doesn't play well in Week 17 against the Dallas Cowboys – does it really matter what else he does against inferior competition the rest of the way? Like so much of the MVP award is guys being able to display their competitive greatness, being at your best when your best is required. When you have those moments, that's what makes us pay attention. You got to have the numbers to support it too, but you also have to have those big moments in the primetime games. We did see Jared Goff do it in week one in Arrowhead against the reigning defending Kansas City Chiefs. That's right. But there's got to be more. It can't just be that moment. It can't just be a road win against the Tampa Bay Bucks when they're winning the NFC South. It's going to have to be games like he has in Week 7 on the road. Baltimore Ravens, tough environment to play in. we got to have more of those, and they've got to have the record, and he's got to have the stats to be able to support the MVP case. Do you also think style points matter? Because this Miami Dolphins offense is so fast it's so furious it's so fun to watch and Tua being the centerpiece of all of that do you think that that matters at all it could but again they have at the Eagles the Chiefs overseas they have at the Jets they have at the Ravens they have the Bills at home they have the Cowboys at home home against the Jets Dolphins have losable games so even the style points may not matter and I'm glad you brought up the idea of style points and I'm glad you brought up he's got to have that big game outside of Kansas City the Dallas Cowboys game is the second to last week of the NFL season on December 30th, a standalone game here on ESPN slash ABC. Perfect time for that. He has a big game, fresh in voters' minds. The season ends less than a week later. They're casting their votes right after the regular season ends. That is a fresh game to end that. And that could clinch the number one seed for them, a win at Dallas. It's not crazy to think that they actually clinch a bye week 17 at Dallas. Not, I mean, I'm not predicting that, well, but well, it's not crazy but, but to here, think. But here's the thing. If he's the MVP based on the schedule that, that you just laid out, then they should have the best record. Right. Okay. And if, they he, if he's the they, they, there's no like you're saying that based on the record and the teams that they're going to face, especially the teams in the NFC North, which is in the conversation for the worst division in all of football. Then, then, then this should be an they, he should they should have the best record and he should win the MVP. Correct. That, that's that's why I said it's his, his so. So it's almost as if if they do if they don't have the number one overall seed, is he really the MVP? I think that works against but, him in a lot no, of ways. Okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Because, again, my whole argument is it's his to lose. He could absolutely lose it. Sorry, oh, gotcha. we're talking about the Lions. I mean, yeah. like, at some point that has to come up, right? We are talking about the Lions. And we're talking about Jared Goff, who, again, remember, the, the L.A. Rams paid a first-round pick to the Lions. Take him. And there's also going to be a first-round pick to get Stafford, right? And I wonder if that actually always plays in his mind. Somebody paid to get rid of me because yeah. that is part of that deal. It is his to lose. That doesn't let me, mean let he's going to win. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Out of the NFC quarterbacks, if you've got to win a game in Week 7, this upcoming week, who's the guy that you want? It still hurts. It still hurts. Where, where, about, where's Jared Goff in the pecking wait, order, though? Can I ask a follow-up on that? That's a question. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask, are we talking about a blank roster and i got to pick a team or a situation? Like, Because Brock Purdy with the Niners team is still the best. Yeah. But if I'm just taking a blank roster, we're going to draft a fantasy team for this week, and I only have the NFC, yes, I'm going to take Jalen Hurts. Okay, so after Jalen Hurts, where does Jared Goff fall? Like he's if you're probably just second it, or third, right? I mean, second or third. Do we have a big three of NFC quarterbacks right now? Is this is a weird big three? It's not LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, but is it Hurts, Purdy, and and Goff? 
Is that our? I, I mean, you, I you've think, been, I you've think, been I think anti so. I putting Dak the in there. Would you put Stafford no, I, in there? At all? I, I, I Staff, think, you know what? Good one. Yeah, Stafford I, deserves listen, some credit. I, after after Dak's performance, I would put him in there. I mean, Dak is top ten in QBR. Stafford's also top ten in QBR. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is top ten in QBR. So that's the list of guys. I just I'm not. That's I'm our not, starting lineup. I'm not five. sure how we power rank them though when it comes to mm-hmm. the best quarterbacks in the NFC. I mean, it's close. It's close. Uh, I mean, but when it comes to the trust factor. I would probably lean toward Jalen Hurts, even though the turnovers are a little bit concerning. Yeah, blank roster, Jalen Hurts. Yep. Situationally, Purdy. Best chance at MVP, maybe Guff. Okay. Best track record, Stafford. Yep. I can get on board with that. Right? I mean, each of them have their characteristic that we would look at and say, that's for you. Coming up, you want to play flag football? We'll talk about it next on Sportsman like ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is me to Tommy. Brady, just saying. If I could be your girl? Yep. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN okay. Radio. Didn't, exp- by didn't expect insurance. that this morning. Good. Uh, you can watch us on ESPNU. So Tom Brady has his podcast on Sirius XM uh, with Jim Gray the Let's, and Larry Fitzgerald, the Let's Go podcast. And uh, Tom Brady had this to say about the physicality or lack thereof in the NFL today. You know, this isn't touch football. This is real football. And I think the physicality, which people really enjoy, I certainly enjoyed. I, I love that physical element of the sport. I don't think we should ever lose that. And I think that we are, you know, there's so many people that are, you know, want it less and less physical. It's a, it's, it's more like flag football, which is going to be in the Olympics in 2028. You know, which maybe football goes to flag football over a period of time. And <laughs> I don't think fans will like that that much. Then everyone should stop about, you know, unnecessary roughness calls. Well, there is Brady. Um, Says the guy yeah. that was complaining about people hitting him late all the time. That's the ridiculous part about this. The NFL quite literally made a quarterback strike zone because Tom Brady missed the entire season after Bernard Pollard ran into his knee in week one. What was that, 2008? Like that, like that, that's absolutely ridiculous from Brady. That is so rich coming from a quarterback. These guys wear red jerseys in practice. That means that nobody can touch them. Like the defensive players that are rushing the quarterback, if you even get close to the quarterback where he could hit his hand on the top of your helmet, they're going to chew you out. They're going to cuss you out. They might send you into the locker room. Like that, that's, that's how much these guys are protected. The, the other 10 guys on the offensive side of the ball, their top priority is making sure that the quarterback don't get hit because they recognize how important he is. If this guy gets hit or hurt, then all of a sudden it makes it that much harder for us to have success. So I just, I don't want to hear Tom Brady talk about this. It might not be wrong in terms of what he's saying and how the game may not be as physical as it was in yesteryear, but it's just the wrong messenger, and it sounds like the old man that's saying, get off my lawn. you got to miss me all the way with that, Smalls. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's not the sentiment, it's the messenger. Yeah. And if it was anybody other than Tom Brady, maybe it would be a different conversation. But you were able to enjoy a career that had unprecedented longevity because of, in part, 
the rules that were in place to protect you. Yes. So we don't really want to hear it from you, but he might not be wrong because we do as consumers love the physicality and the toughness of football. But Tom Brady, maybe not the person we want to hear Well, from. very exactly. smart to say it when he said it, which is uh, when he's done and not yeah. when he's playing. Now, he brought up another part of it that is factually correct, the flag football part of it, because we are getting that in the Olympics. And CC, you asked a question about the idea of the dream flag football team yes. amongst NFL players. Yes. Now, I think I-, I am a little bit of an expert here, might I add. I go to flag football games every week. I'll be at one tonight, as a matter of fact. Okay. My 10-year-old oh, son, right. plays, son plays flag football. And here's what I'd like to say. When you're trying to build the dream flag football team, you start with one guy. There's a right answer here. You start with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is the dream flag football player because he is the fastest man at the quarterback position, the best runner at that position, and a great passer. You need somebody that can do both. I'm not saying Mahomes can't run. He can, but he can't run like Lamar. I think you start the flag football dream team in the Olympics 2028 in, uh, where is it, Los Angeles maybe? Where is the Olympics in 2028? Wherever it is going to be. I have no idea. Yeah, wherever that is, I think you start with Lamar. Oh, yeah, I love that. I mean, that's the yeah, number one draft right. pick. Yeah, yeah. The quarterback, Lamar Jackson. I mean, this dude is so fast. He's an absolute blur. So I could absolutely see the case for starting it with Lamar. To me, my first pick off the board has to be Tyreek Hill, though. Like, you, you, can't, you can't pull his flag because you can't catch him. Correct. Like, like this, this guy is so fast. He completely changes defenses just by virtue of being out there on the field. Like, you see Mike McDaniel use all of this fancy motion and move 10 all over the field, and then other guys are beating you to death. But it's because people are terrified of Tyreek Hill getting on getting behind defensive backs. This dude is special. He's on pace right now for over 2,300 receiving yards. That would obliterate the single-season receiving yards record. I, I just think that this is – he would be – the most valuable player when it came to starting a flag football team. So how many players do we want to do here? We're not going to pick the lineman, obviously. We're going to pick a quarterback. Let's do seven because we do seven on seven. Like so all four. Other so four we, non-linemen. Yeah, so we've got two right now, right? right we've, so got, we've got Tyreek and we got Lamar Jackson. Okay, CMC good. has to be a part of it. I would pick Christian McCaffrey because you need the running back to be able to run but also catch the ball out of the backfield. There's no blocking involved really in that. So I think Christian McCaffrey – where is where I would go from a running back? I'd want a bigger, more physical presence in addition to Tyree Kill. What about Justin Jefferson? That may be one. Jamar Chase. Or do you think tight end Travis Kelsey? Maybe you get Taylor to the games in a flag football game. Just throwing that out there. That's do you think? Do you think about the bigger, stronger weapon in addition to the speedster? Right, because if we're going to send Tyree Kill deep, do we need an underneath route? No, I don't. I, the only guy when we start talking about big guys, I, I don't know that you need a lot of big guys. But you do like tall guys, right? Because yep. you yeah. can just throw it up to them and they can That's moss everybody. Thinking. So the receivers that specialize in mossing folks, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase would be at the top of the DK? list. Like, uh, I don't know. D- I don't know about DK. I don't know about DK. But I-, I would I would have those guys. Like, to me, those guys would have to be on there. But you need guys that are shifty when you talk about flag football, right? Yes. Guys that can make people miss in space. That's their specialty. It's not really about the physicality of it all. It's about the shiftiness and, and the agility, so to speak. Um, so that that's what we would specialize in. You know another person, Sneaky? Bijan Robinson. Oh, that's a good Bijan one. Bijan Robinson makes a lot of people miss in open space, so he would be a name that I would consider on the flag football team. See, Debo is more about physicality. Like, Debo is true to his shifty, name. Shifty, though, too, no? He's not saying that he's not shifty, but it's more about his physicality at the wide receiver position that makes him unique. We don't see that from receivers, especially in his, in his, in his frame. So the fact that he's so physical and versatile is what makes him special. I never looked at Debo as a make-or-miss type of receiver, although he does break a lot of tackles. Well, based on that, I wonder if we just take both Dolphins receivers. 
Take Jalen Waddle too, for that matter. <laughs> I mean, you just can't catch Jalen Waddle. You can't catch him. That kind of works. Pretty, pretty good in flag football. That pretty, works. Pretty, so basically, pretty, we're just going to take the Dolphins' good. offense. Yeah, I mean, they essentially, have, essentially, essentially, with a faster quarterback, yeah, with a faster running quarterback, yeah. Lamar over Tua. Right? I mean, we all talked about Lamar to the Dolphins in the offseason, didn't we? When everybody yeah. was talking about where Lamar could go if he was not going to be with the Ravens or the Dolphins, his hometown team, look at him. Yeah, so the concept of the Dolphins' offense is a – that actually may be the best way of describing them. They're so, a flag football offense. So McDaniel's our coach then. Oh, for flag football? 100%. He's the guy. On a, no 100%. Doubt. No doubt. No now, doubt. Now, he may need a defensive coordinator with him, but on offense, Mike <laughs> McDaniel as a coordinator – Mike McDaniel should be named the United States Olympic – Flag football coach today. I don't know that he knows all the rules and regulations yet. It don't matter. It don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter. You because He'll figure it does. out. He'll figure it out. So, so far we have about 43 people, I think, on our, on our team. But here no, we go. No, no, we got, a, we got the list right it's there. There, we go. there we go. Lamar, there we go. There we go. Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, B. John Robinson, Jalen Waddell, and the head coach, Mike McDaniel. There Good we luck, go. world. Good luck, world. Good luck with that. Good maybe, luck with that. Maybe the Just, Kelsey brothers, too. We need a center and a tight end. and. And do, Taylor. do you need a center in flag football? Oh, yeah. Flag? You got to have a center? Yeah. Okay. I'm not familiar. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.